Hi, welcome to Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. This podcast is a ministry of Christ Covenant Church in Atlanta, where our pastors and members dig deeper into the sermon and its text together. Our goal is to consider new questions and observations while looking at the passage so that we might more practically apply God's word to our life. If you have a question for our pastors, please feel free to engage our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. Or if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our sermon talk back. All right. Well, I am joined today um, by the incredible Billy Bean. Billy, I, I, your sermon in the Habakkuk series was so helpful to me. It was very good. I know. I, I loved it. Billy the Baptist show now. <laughs> um, I listened to it when uh, the D's fam was on our little vacation out west, and uh, I remember um, I was like, we were driving to like get the kids some lunch. I think I was just listening to my headphones, um, but it just was like so moving. And I think Paige like ran into the place to get the lunch. I just sat in my car and just finished the sermon because I couldn't pause it. It was so, it was so helpful. So anyway, thank you for that. I, I love the whole series. Josh did such a great job. John yeah. did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love you know, just being a part of that teaching team. We're joined by, I would say, you know, a prophet of Christ's covenant, Will Carlisle today oh. also. So a prophet and a preacher. Man, uh, that's right. That's and right. a dog. We also have Mabel. First time having a live canine audience. I know. Paige is out of town. Mabel's my just old... sitting here holding my hand. It's like yeah, the cutest thing ever. She is like a really, really great dog. She's, She's holding my hand and licking it. My uh, older two kids are at camp, and then Paige and Rain are out of town. So Mabel's literally just been sitting at my house for like three days by herself, and I just was looking at her day. I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be a decent dog owner. So thanks for bearing with Mabel. But um, um, I, there's a lot to say. Um, we've said a lot in this series. I'm glad we spent. I mean, back it's one of those you could probably teach through in a couple weeks, uh, or you could teach through in five weeks right and i'm kind of glad we i am kind of glad we spent five weeks yeah it 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 was was, i mean as somebody who's not part of the like teaching world um in terms of like sermons and whatnot you know i've read habakkuk a few times but i always forget about it um and how like beautiful it is and i was just the whole like format of it i'm really glad that y'all chose to go through it because the whole format of question or really like complaint and response i think is one of the more unique views into like reasoning with God and making sense of things. Well, and then you have that. And then you have the the responsive song too, which I think is very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things yeah. we were talking about at a teaching meeting, and I didn't say this, but like the say la, the, the pause and think and meditate yeah. is only used in the book of Psalms and the book of Habakkuk. Oh, and so it's the only other place outside of Psalms that we see that kind of, you know, moment of say la. Yeah. I, um, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what, yeah, what were some things like, I mean, again, you know, whenever I've like taught something, it's like, well, I, I'd like to draw this out or that yeah. out. I mean, I'm curious, like, as you studied, you only got the one sermon, obviously, Billy, I'm just like, like, what were some things you were like, man, I, I feel like I left this one on the table. There's some things I want to get to today, but like anything that you're like, man, I, I would have loved to have spent a little more time thinking about this or that. Well, 
You know, one of the things that now obviously I might be biased here because it was in my passage, but uh, you know, the, the kind of hallmark verse of Habakkuk that the righteous shall live yeah. by faith um, is sort of a theme that, you know, Habakkuk kind of traces out and kind of gives us some practical handles of how to live out your faith. And he does that through song and prayer and, and, and lament. And so he's giving us so many examples of how the righteous live by faith. And so you know, I just think there's so many nuggets you could draw from Habakkuk that you could then, you know, apply to our current context that would just be helpful for our congregation. Like, how do we actually, um, you know, we say lament, we we cry out to God, um, we we um, come to him with our complaints. But what does this practically look like? You know, I have friends that are suffering. I have friends that are in this situation, that situation. So, um, you know, we could have spent more time just giving some practical handles there for how our people could, could work through. Well, one of the things I want to kind of, jump into today is I spent a little time I really in both weeks talking about like our imaginary of God mm. how we understand God how we imagine God and and if you have not listened to the sermons I want to be very careful I'm not using the word imaginary in the fact of like God is fantasy or not real but our imagination oftentimes we like imagine things that are real mm-hmm. but it's things that we haven't seen yet or things that we you know if somebody describes a place to you, yeah. for example, that you've never been to, or you've never seen a picture of, you, you, you imagine it and maybe you imagine it as it is, or maybe you imagine it not as it is. And so that's really the idea that we're talking about. How do you imagine God and how do you frame God? And, and is your imaginary of God framed by scripture or is it framed by just kind of a 21st century American mindset? And I think that one of the things that's so helpful about Habakkuk is it really does I think it it deconstructs, to, to use that word, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but it deconstructs this false view of God that I think a lot of maybe 21st century kind of evangelical Americans have of God. And this is this like, you know, happy clappy, um, everything's great, yeah. you know, kind of view of God. And this is like this sorrowful suffering, bad things going to happen to Israel. And how do we respond to God in that situation? And it, oh, by the way, it is a God that loves his covenant people deeply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet still bad things are happening to them. And I think having that framework that to just kind of frame your imaginary of God is like incredibly important. One of the things that I know we want to spend a little time on is just like this kind of I, I mentioned it in the last sermon, the like the the prosperity light gospel. Yeah. I, I don't know that many people in our context are like super into the heavy prosperity. Yeah, extreme examples. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But I do think, and I I hear this actually in the context of our, even our own congregation, that we kind of have this view of God that we've kind of got to keep him happy. And Mm -hmm. if we do, he'll make us comfortable. Yeah. Um, And we were talking about this in the teaching meeting. Have you all ever seen, Will, have you ever seen the, uh, it's like this old Francis Chan uh, sermon where he has the balance beam. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he basically talks about how, like, we don't want anything bad to happen to us. We don't want any pain. And so if you can imagine, like, he has a balance beam on stage and he, like, literally lays down on the balance beam and he, like, holds it with Sound, his... Sounds very Francis chan Yeah, oh, it's yeah. total. It's like, <laughs> dude, it's the quintessence of, like, 2008, you know? <laughs> just uh, bringing a balance beam to, a con- like, a yeah, conference. That's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just think about, like, what... Con- like Christian conference, like life was like in 2008 yeah. and it all come clear to you. <laughs> yeah. So 
<laughs> and so anyway, so he he has the balance beam and he like laying on the balance beam and like he's braced, he's holding onto the balance beam. And he's like, man, like this is how we live our lives. We just don't have any pain. We just like, please God, just give me a nice family, a nice house, a nice retirement. And he's like, our boldest prayer is that God would just let us die comfortably in our sleep. Mm. And and he says, you know, you're you're there and he's laying on the balance beam. He's like, you're asleep and you're dreaming. It's a nice dream. And you just kind of slip off into eternity. And then he's like, and then you stand before God and, and he holds his arms up like a gymnast does at the end of her balance <laughs> yeah, beam act. Yeah. But but I do think that's kind of how we live. We're just like our 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 greatest hope is that like God won't like the thing that we trust God most for is that he won't allow anything uncomfortable to happen to us. Mm-hmm. And so we have this view of him. It's like, well, if I have my quiet time and I go to church and I give, then like my kids won't get sick or I won't lose my job or, you know, or whatever it is. It's just yeah. like God will keep me comfortable. And yeah. that's that prosperity light kind of preaching. And it, and it frames God as this, you know, like monster out there that we have to keep feeding. You know, right. I was watching the movie Crudes 2 with my kids not long ago. And, you know, the Crudes family, if you've seen those movies, they go and live with the Bettermans. And Mr. Betterman like has to feed these monkeys, these bananas, and they'll let them live at peace. And I think mm-hmm. that we kind of have this view of God. It's like, well, I got to give God his bananas. <laughs> you know, I've got to do my quiet time. I've got to like yeah. go to church. Yeah. And then I, then I will get what I really want, which isn't like a life of obedience or like a life of doing great things for the Lord, but it's a life of comfort. And, you know, the monster will kind of stay off my back. And so I, I think that kind of theology has permeated American evangelicalism a lot more than we would want to think it is. And it's a kind of prosperity gospel. The prosperity in this is just that, like, you know, it's like yeah. in some ways, like the, pros- the the hardcore prosperity people are actually more faithful. At least they're like <laughs> trusting God for like yeah. something big. I mean, yeah. you know. In this situation, you're just kind of like, it's like this weak faith of like, well, I just want to live a comfortable life. Yeah. But it, in both cases, it frames the character, the nature, a life with God in this completely unbiblical way. Yeah. And so um, that's where I think a study of the book of Habakkuk hopefully disrupts, blows that kind of false mindset yeah. up. Yeah, you know, in, in your in your sermon on Sunday, you, you talked about um, how, you know, how important it is to have good theology. And you even, you talked about some of these friends of yours that have deconstructed and, and kind of, it came down to like really their theology. And, and I think that's, that's so true. But I yeah. also think, I also think that there are a lot of people that have like really good theology and, and you've talked about this in other sermons before Jason, but um, you know, confessional theology versus our functional theology. Right. Right. And I feel like there are, are, you know, so many Christians in our church, even, even, you know, those of us here that would say we have, decent theology. We have sound theology, uh, but then there's something innately in our fallen nature mm-hmm. where we want, we want to control the results of God for our lives. Mm-hmm. And so there's something in us that just, we want control. We want to kind of yes, manipulate yeah. God's purposes in our lives. And so it's, you know, I, I feel like it's a warning, even for those of us who have good theology that, you know, um, and, and this is why Habakkuk is so ins- instructive. He, he presses into the sovereignty of God and he doesn't he doesn't take things into his own hands um, to yeah. try to kind of manipulate what God's doing. He struggles, but he doesn't take things into his own hands. Yeah. And I mean, I think that this is the whole deconstruction movement. It's an example of why the books of poetry and scripture are so helpful and, and very, very important to be like cognizant of and to know mm. because so much deconstruction, like there's a million different ways to like skin the cat of 
letting your faith die. But, you know, what they all kind of come down to ultimately is obviously just a wrong understanding of God. Right. And I think like the reason I I loved D's like in in your last sermon, you know, you put up like Ecclesiastes presents this view of nothing in life makes Mm -hmm. sense in Proverbs. Everything makes sense in Job. Sometimes things make sense and where we can go astray, like theology and doctrine are so important because we're talking about knowing God, but where we can go astray is this quest to compartmentalize Mm. all the attributes of God and the nature of life into very clean, understandable segments. When the Bible presents to us mystery, like the Bible does not present a clean, clear cut systematic theology. It doesn't discredit that field of study, but the Bible presents a mystery, you know? And I think that Habakkuk and like, he's a great role model of someone whose hope is in God, his faith is in God. Mm. And he has a piece that stems from that, which is where the book ends, but it does not discount the real tension that he struggles with. But because he understands the nature of God, he can press into the tension and not lose faith. He cannot, you know, to contextualize it for us. He doesn't deconstruct when he looks the tension in the eyes. Yeah. And I think, I think both sides to use like, the Proverbs Ecclesiastes like thing, like they, you know, they they actually both, if you go too far one way or the other, they'll both lead you like away from mm-hmm. a real relationship with God. Yeah. So like if you go too far on the Proverbs side, it's like, well, I have total control as long as I do X, Y, and Z, I can keep the monster at bay. You know, that that's, that's kind of what we we're just talking about. And then on the other side, if you go too far to like, we'll call it the Ecclesiastes side, it's, you know, I don't have to do anything. Like, yeah, you can you almost know. become hedonist if you right. like. Yeah, only that's right. Yeah, because nothing it, makes sense. Whatever. Yeah, and I, and I don't yeah. have to be confessional at all because like whatever, right. like, yeah. you know, and so because God's a mystery, he's a total mystery. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's where like the tension of scripture is like actually kind of amazing because no, like there actually are things that are clear about God and there are things that are mysterious about God. Yep. And that makes you actually live by faith, <laughs> which kind of is the whole point. Yeah. But so really what we're resisting is faith, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what a false view of God will always lead us to. And, I, and we're kind of, we said we want to talk about this like deconstruction thing and, and we're kind of slipping there. Um, what I find like with the, the deconstruction thing is actually what could lead to like spiritual growth, what should lead you to greater faith, you you stay in the rhythm of wanting control. Mm-hmm. And so you remove God, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think like a lot of times, like, yeah, maybe Christianity isn't as like, I mean, you know, nice and neat as you thought it was. <laughs> um, in the way that it was presented to you as a child. I mean, a lot of, a lot of like, um, what I've seen with like friends of mine that have deconstructed is they, they, they like, they've like struggled to move past what I would call like kind of a childhood faith. Like it's, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on the parent that says like, if you obey God, things will go well for you because like it's a four-year-old, you know, like, yeah. We need to just kind of make it simple. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, if your faith's not able to like grow up be, beyond that into an actual mature relationship with God, mm-hmm. uh, then yeah, that that'll bite you mm-hmm. when you're 
26 and something really bad happens to you. And so I think that, you know, I think what could be happening and and, and if if you're kind of in this moment, I'm going to say or to speak to people who are listening to this and there's like, you're feeling that like, okay, wait, I, I need to rethink the faith of my childhood or whatever. That actually could be like God's invitation to spiritual growth in your life. Dude, absolutely. And, and it, but it requ- it's going to require less control and more trust and more faith mm-hmm. and 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 probably more thought in yeah. in community and 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 that's kind of some of the rhythms of grace too things I was talking about yesterday so yeah i mean so much of what it, because it's being a part of gen z and being a creative person with creative friends a lot of my conversations kind of circle around struggling with faith, losing faith, rediscovering faith um, on a brighter note. But, you know, one of the things that is really, really big for a lot of the people I talk to is filth within the church or filth within religious circles that they've seen and kind of, you know, and moving away from a reformation mindset and towards like a revolution mindset. And instead of being like, this is something that can be reformed and reclaimed and there's like an essential good behind it moving more towards a revolution mindset of like, you know, burn the buildings and yes. let's like chart out on our own. And one of the really important things, and again, I think Habakkuk is such a beautiful example of this. I mean, who understands the filth and pain of being in the people of God more than an ancient Hebrew prophet? You know, right. like who has seen right. more religious hypocrisy? Yes. And I think the truth that the Bible puts forward is that we tend to, to have the instinct to think that the beauty of the church, the beauty of God's people justifies the existence of God. And therefore, if the church is screwed up, this is good. if someone hurts mm-hmm. us, then God is not real or God is not good or God is not personal. But really the truth that the Bible puts forward is the opposite, that the beauty of God justifies the existence of the church, you know? That's and right. so Amen. it's not because the people of God have it so figured out and Habakkuk's actually in the middle of, of people who deserve great judgment. And I think if we push forward, you know, with my experience with other people surrounding God is not the defining, you know, it's not the defining characteristic of my faith, Mm. but it's actually seeking interactions and encounters with God through prayer, through his word, through his habits of grace, you know, then we can push forward into the beauty and the mess and the confusion and the harmony of a people who are seeking God and perfectly. Can I, I kind of want to speak into this actually. Um, You open a door, Will, that I I have been wanting to visit. And actually I wanted Um, to, I actually wanted to do a think through it. You know, in fact, maybe like the three of us could do a think through it about this. Like this'll, this'll be a, this'll be my tease of this coming think through it. I want to do a think through it about like how Christians should interpret, um, you know, uh, I can't remember the the word that they were using, like when the rise and fall of Mars Hill was coming out, like, uh, um, like scandal porn or something. What, what do they call it? Uh, I don't know, but I like scandal porn. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like, like this, like, man, I want to see this like scandal thing. And so there's just been a, like the rise and fall of Mars Hill is a good mm-hmm. example, though. I actually thought Mike, was yeah. was a little more balanced than some of these other examples, but I, I recently watched uh, 
I have not watched the whole thing, but I watched two episodes of Shiny Happy People, which is on like the Duggar family Oof. and um, Bill Gothard and, and that whole thing. And then I also watched some of the um, uh, Hillsong. Hillsong, yeah. And so, and what I would want to say like to like the deconstructing person out there. So I am certainly not an apologist for the Duggar family. I've never literally never like <laughs> seen an episode and, Dang. uh, and I'm certainly not an apologist for Bill Gothard. So many people just logged off this podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's always, what we came to hear. I always saw you as a huge Duggar fan. I yeah. know. Sorry to disappoint you guys. Um, and I'm certainly not like an apologist for Hillsong. However, like these documentaries, the only perspective that they show, I begin like getting frustrated with these documentaries because the only perspective that they show are people that are like deeply embittered against these things. It's mm -hmm. only people that are like total reactionary. There's nobody telling the redemptive story of what God might have done in the Bill Gothard movement. And again, mm -hmm. I, I am not an apologist for the Bill Gothard. I'm not trying to defend him here, Yeah, but like it's an example. this, this yeah. is your point. Like as kind of weird as the Bill Gothard movement was and is like, maybe as weird as some of the things that happened at Mars Hill were, and as weird as like, I think kind of Hillsong can be like, God's still like actually working in all of those places because yeah, he yeah. is beautiful. And Amen. despite the like weird fallenness of the people of Israel or the Hillsong people or whoever, like mm -hmm. God is beautifully at work. Yeah. And so, and just to like make a quick amendment or not amendment, but, note on that like you are not exonerating people who are like abusing or like it's not no, an exoneration of I, sin but it's yeah. glorifying god that's exactly by, right. i am not it, it's the I height of a, redemption that god can work mark driscoll had massive sin issues hillsong yeah like, massive mm -hmm. corruption like bill gothard super weird like so i mean i am recognizing the critique i mean this yeah. is like the revolution versus the reformation like yeah. there needed to be a reformation and maybe a massive reformation but i'm not going to like therefore discount um like for example like to the bill gothard thing like his big thing was like god is a god of order and therefore there's order and he used that to kind of create this culture of abusive control mm -hmm. okay yeah. but i'm not gonna like throw out that god is a god of order like there mm -hmm. there actually is order in god's created design like he wasn't totally wrong he took something that was true and abused it uh to to really create a culture that wasn't good so anyway the point i'm trying to make is if you're like and i'd like to have like a whole think through it about like this like how do you interpret um scandal porn i mean I, there was a name that people were throwing around during the rise and fall of mars hill there were a lot of spicy words in that yeah <laughs> something like that but anyway uh but how do you interpret that like as someone who's trying to make sense of your faith like I think one thing I would look out for is like, are they telling the redemptive side at all? Mm -hmm. And again, to Mike's credit, I think Mike yeah. told some, I mean, I think he probably like could have told more because obviously like, I mean, I still talk to guys. I talked to a guy, I can't remember who it was the other day. who was like, oh, it was Brian Kaufman who like, we love Brian Kaufman. Like Come the on. preaching of Mark Driscoll was like, very helpful for him at a time in his mm -hmm. life because like Mark Driscoll is a really good preacher. Yeah. He said some really amazing things. And so, um, I, I, you know, I would want to say to the young person, like, it's very easy to like be super reactionary when uh -huh. things have gone bad. Um, rather than just like, I think to your earlier point, will like seeing the beauty of God in bad circumstances mm -hmm. rather than, 
that that because there's a bad circumstances, therefore God must be bad too. Mm-hmm. And and I just think that that is a level of maturity that I would hope from like the average Christ Covenant member or you know person who has found this podcast somehow. Like I, I would I would want to call you to that level of maturity. And not to just get swept up with the overreactionary nature of the culture that we live in. Mm-hmm. Right? Just to add that, add to that too. Just bringing it back to Habakkuk. I mean, the last three verses uh, of the book. It seems like Habakkuk is kind of just settled with, okay, the judgment. The judgment is coming. Yeah. Um, but you know, throughout the book, he's looking back at the promises of God. He's looking back at the beauty of God and who He said He was. Um, but at the end of the book, he kind of settles. Okay, like in this life. I might not see redemption, um, but I know who you are. I know you say you are. I look mm-hmm. to the past. And then he has a future hope as well where he's going to see the beauty of God yeah. um, in the future. And so just thinking of like Mars Hill and some of these, these examples, we might, I mean, God is working through all of those things. Clearly there's been damage done, but God is working purposefully through those situations and he will bring some redemption in that maybe in yeah. our life. But even if he doesn't, there will be, there will be future, future redemption. Yeah, and I think Habakkuk really helps us to to hold that intention as well. Absolutely, so. and you know, I love he he ends. It's very and I'll frame what I'm about to say through like we need Christian community, we need like minded people, mm-hmm. and I do not believe in a hyper individualistic faith. But you know, where Habakkuk lands, kind of in this lonely, righteous kind of place where he is, is this amazing. Like, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. And I think this is where the deconstruction movement can, uh, of which I've been affected and participated. Um, but where it kind of shows its cards is it's ultimately built, built on observing other people's relationship with God and not on your own personal relationship Mm, with God. And you know, that, that is like I, one of my favorite moments in the sermons that happen that you preach these are, you know, when you kind of bring it back to, you know, I don't have, you know, I have very meager accomplishments, I blah, 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 but I know God mm. and just that resonant, I know God. Right. And that, that is like the trump card and the silver bullet yeah. is you can walk into mind bendingly complex and hard situations like these you know, filthy church scandals or whatever. And you can walk away not unhurt and not, you know, totally having made sense of everything that just happened, but you can trust in the justice of God and Mm -hmm. and know that God is the God of my salvation. And, you know, though human situations are messy and though judgment does come from God, he's the God of my salvation. Amen. Amen. And that's that's one of the reasons that like Habakkuk is so ridiculously helpful. Okay. So if you have gone through like a scandalous situation and it's like, you know, I mean, here's Habakkuk who is about to endure this Chaldean punishment Mm -hmm. that's going to be like really, really bad. And it's not his fault. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, he is the victim. I mean, he is the victim of the. Yeah. scandalous but he's not like reacting in this like bitter way yeah and these are the people of god like these are the chosen people of god that that have brought upon this great bu- judgment that he's about to endure and yet he's reacting in this like incredibly worshipful way <laughs> and so 
Mabel just got excited about that. So oh, Mabel saying, "Amen, amen, Mabel." <laughs> um, you know, I mean, even if you know, I'll bring this home, guys. I'll bring this home right here to the Cove. Let's go to the Cove, baby. When I say the Cove, I mean the Christ Cove. But um, our own Barrett Fisher, I would say, a prophet of Christ's covenant. Amen. Um, you know, makes two of us. <laughs> the night, the night that he was called to ministry. The night that Barrett Fisher was called to ministry, like I would say, like that he like opened his heart that God may be using mm. him like a full time vocational ministry capacity. I was with him. The guy that preached ended up like being this like totally scandalous guy, and he's in jail right now. I mean, like because of his like massive sin issues, and I won't get into the details, but like that's kind of an incredible like thing to think through. Yeah, and but like as messy and as horrible as that is, and this is kind of what you were saying earlier, well, like God is still beautiful. And like this vessel, this jar of clay. And I would even say like this jar of like, you know, crappy clay, you know, like (laughs) this like really bad jar of clay, like was able to show something beautiful about the character and nature of God that like pushed Barrett into a calling that like now we are all blessed by. Mm -hmm. And so that brings us to the third thing that I, I was really wanting to talk about today how do you counsel people? Like, how do you step into these situations? Like, I think we see people and maybe they're in a deconstruction moment on that side of things. Maybe they're just in like a really painful moment. They've gone through something really hard that maybe you just can't identify with. I mean, that's mm. that's something even as a pastor, I know I'm supposed to be like a professional, like encourager of <laughs> other Christians. But like when people are going through really hard things that I have not personally dealt with, it does kind of feel, it feels like disingenuous to say like, hey man, I'm praying for you, or I'm really sorry. I don't know, it just, you know, it just feels like, what am I supposed to say here? Like, mm-hmm. you know, God is good. I, You know, it just, it feels awkward. Yeah. Yet at the same time, like, I want us to be this congregation that is courageous enough to step into one another's lives and encourage one another um, and love one another and actually, when I see that, I was actually mentioning um, Hayward McKeever. Y'all know Hayward? Uh, anyway, Will, you don't, but Billy does. I know his brother, Hammond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a great member of our church, leads the community groups, and awesome guy. But anyway, like, I, I almost, I was always so impressed with him because, like, we'll be in conversations with people, and he'll just, like, ask them, like, the most poignant and, like, vulnerable questions. And I'm like, oh, like, I, I just admire his courage. But, like, it always kind of goes well and they like, like to talk about it. And, you know, he has that courage to take that step into, I think kind of a hard thing. And so anyway, I, I would like to talk about that idea when we're going through pain, we're going through suffering. How do we enter into those spaces? Um, is there any advice on what good counsel to bring might be, or is there any, you know, just encouragement to, Mm. And one of the things that it's good to do is just like, would you mind if I pray with you? Like, I mean, even mm-hmm. just like saying that and just saying like, God comfort them. I mean, it could be a simple prayer, but that could be very powerful. So I don't know, thoughts, comments. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of times, I mean, for me personally, I, I totally resonate with just like feeling like I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I can't, I don't know what to say to this person who's struggling with this or that. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think if there's, there's some, some established trust and like, there's this mutual understanding that like, I love this brother. I love this sister in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we can point, we can point our hurting brothers and sisters in the Lord to, 
through the rhythms of grace. And Jason, in the last sermon, you talked about, you know, how do we rightly respond in times of suffering and trial? You know, um, we stay in the rhythms of grace and, you know, sometimes I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly how to encourage somebody, but I can say, Hey man, like I can listen to them. I can, I can pray with them. I can point them to the word. I can open up the word with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can point them to, to not forsake the gathering, like come, come to mm-hmm. church, like be a part, yeah. you know, this last Sunday, we had this awesome time of, of prayer after the service. And, you know, the Lord works through all of those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we have so many people in, in our congregation that have so little in common, even life experience, but we have these rhythms of grace, these means of grace that God works through. And so we can pray for a brother and sister that we, we can't, you know, mm. relate to their, their specific situation. We can pray for them. We can encourage them. And the Lord just works through that. Yeah. Another uh, thing too, is just like being present with somebody. I, I yeah. do think, I mean, I'm encouraging you to speak and to step in and I, and I will encourage that. But like, I think there is something powerful about when you know somebody's going through a hard time, just taking them to lunch, right? being present, you know, and, and maybe not saying too much. I mean, or right. maybe mm-hmm. trying to figure out, well, and maybe pray like, what's a question I can ask them that, you know, because again, you don't want to force these things. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. listening and right. Present. Right. And, uh, and like humility plays such a big role mm-hmm. of like assuming that, you know, I mean, I kind of have two thoughts, but one is just the, the classic example is Job's friends who are yeah, very assured yeah. that they know what's going on. And actually, if you read most of what they say, it's actually like sounds very much like any other section of the Bible. Like it's, it's not like they're spewing heresies about God. They're just misapplying things that they know to be true right. to a situation that they don't understand. Yeah. And so that's a big part of it. And, you know, I, I think too, you, you can't assume that somebody who's going through stuff, even if they're like working on figuring out where they are in their faith to be a good friend to them. I don't think you can assume that they always need to, or want to talk about the big thing. Right. Like sometimes people just need, uh, and I think that's where being present comes in. Mm-hmm. Like some, whether it's like a faith crisis or just like a really hard situation, you know, maybe the most life giving soul restoring thing for them would be to talk about something that you have in common yeah. that is like a thousand miles away yeah. from, yeah. you know, the, the questions that are keeping them up at night. The, uh, another thing just kind of in along those lines, I think a lot of times when you're, you're going through a hard and painful thing and, and I've certainly, it's hard to actually express the way that you're feeling. Yeah. You know, yeah. Pain can kind of be a hard thing to express directly uh and i would say like one of the things i mean you know like that's helped me um is it, it, it you know and i'm not like uh you know i will carl i'll tell you like i'm a c uh, artist uh, <laughs> but like one of the things that has helped me is like art and like you know just to be vulnerable like in sad times of my life like even just like playing my guitar or like painting a painting yeah, it, as bad as it may be, but just like kind of just mm-hmm. having energy moving out of my body. Daddy. I mean, even like going on a run is kind of the same kind of thing, Yeah, but just like being mm-hmm. energetic in this kind of non-specific way toward something, be it a song. Yeah, I mean, and y'all have heard my like talk about like breakup songs, but like, 
There was this one time where no one loves the breakup song like Jason. Oh man, there was this one time where I was just, and this was actually like semi recent, and I was just kind of in a like a little bit of a you know confused and sad time, and I like started playing the song "Round Here," (laughs) and like um, I just like. And it was like the extended version that uh, they Counting Crows does on the live on two legs. And I just did this like whole like there's a girl on the car in the parking lot says, man, why don't you take it? I mean, the whole like Adam Duritz and like after that, I just like felt amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just like yeah. I just needed to like sing at the top of my lungs and like bang on my, you know, yeah. old Fender guitar. Yeah. And. And so, like, I would just say if you're in pain, like, those kinds of expressions, and, like, there was was nothing definite about that. Like, there was no, like, now the situation makes sense to me. It was just kind of this, like, ugh. Yeah. And I don't know. There's just, like, the humans, the human human beings are weird animals. And, uh, yeah. but that helped me. The common grace of breakup songs. Come on, you know, man. You know, the Lord. another thing, and I'll, I'll like plug ODR here that we just, uh, you know, this week we're going to start going through Daniel in conjunction with the Life in Babylon series. And one of the things that's been so eye opening for me about the book of Daniel, you know, it's very much in this same headspace of living life on the side of exile and kind of where we are now. And in the book of Daniel, God God is very active. Like he, he's very, very active in the things going on. And yet, you know, at the beginning of the book, like Nebuchadnezzar sacks the temple and they right, take yeah. all these holy things out, which, you know, Israelites in, in other parts of the Bible have been struck by lightning for, you know, less than that. And yet they're the you know Chaldeans are just kind of prancing around the the temple and taking people into captivity and God just seems so absent in the way that you would expect him to step into the situation and yet then God shows up in these mighty ways in the places you would least expect yeah. like in Nebuchadnezzar's yeah. furnace or in Nebuchadnezzar's you know bedchamber speaking to him in a dream like God shows up in the least expected places and in the most godless seeming places. Mm. And, you know, it makes his silence in the places where you'd expect God or where they would have been asking for God to speak loudly. You know, it it adds, it doesn't take away from the pain and the drama, but it does add a, a piece of redemptive beauty. And, you know, that's even before Jesus, mm. you know? And, and so like the hope that we have of a companion and a friend in Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit you know, it just amplifies that sense of hope that we can carry. And, and, that, yeah. and that gets to the, the second point of like the practical things. Like you, you have to have your eyes open to see the Lord Amen. and, and, and he will show up in like these very unexpected ways. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's a lot more could said, a lot more podcasts we could plug, but um, M- Mabel's getting, getting I know, rowdy. I, know. I, gotta, yeah. I gotta throw a ball. So she literally has been like sitting by herself. And so just <laughs> all of this activity. Yeah, she's ready. I know. She is ready to go. Um, <laughs> so for Mabel, Will Carlisle, <laughs> Billy Bean, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening. Once again, thank you for listening to the Sermon Talkback podcast. If you have any other questions after listening, or if there's anything else you'd like to discuss with one of our pastors, please don't hesitate to engage our text-to-pastor line at 
404-465-1737. And once again, if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you and have a blessed week.